0: Welcome back to another episode of My Kajiggers. Today we're talking about the one, the only National Treasure,
1: except for the sequel.
0: <laughs> except for the sequel,
1: and the upcoming third one, and the TV series coming. Wait,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. We're gonna. We'll get to that. Apparently, I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> uh, not only are we talking about National Treasure, but you know, we're talking about conspiracy theories again. We have a couple each for you, and wrapping up with some. Um, disturbing and hilarious Urban Dictionary.
1: More disturbing than usual?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: How many are about poop?
0: I'm not telling you. Fuck you, Dan. (gasps)
1: Hey, I wouldn't ask if there wasn't a history of it.
0: (laughs) You'll find out. We'll see how many we get through. (laughs) Okay.
1: So, before we get to National Treasure- the season two of The Boys came out.
0: Oh, so it's already out.
1: Well, yeah, they're not... You can't binge the whole season like last time. They're releasing it week by week, which I kind of like, but... Doesn't
0: make you feel as, like, shitty sitting there and you binge an entire season.
1: <laughs> all that, plus it feels like there's a little bit of a mystery going on with one of the characters and, like, what they're really up to.
0: Yeah. See, Dan has to be very vague because I haven't finished the first season.
1: Yeah. And I also don't want to spoil the new season for anybody, but I like that they're doing it week by week so that that mystery has time to breathe rather than, Oh, I'm just going to binge it. Mm -hmm. Although in the newest episode, there was this one part. It was like a flashback and there's a character like obscured. You can't see them. You just hear their voice. I'm like, I know that voice. I'm going to immediately guess this is such and such character. And I felt so smart. And then that very same scene. They said, "Oh yeah, this was so and so." I'm like, "Mother
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're
1: just screwing with me.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: I, that's what I love about the boys. It's every episode. There's just like, "What the fuck am I watching?" It's just so bizarre.
0: See, Mikey really liked it, and I sometimes it takes me a while to get into shows, and I'll leave it, and I have to come back to it. Like there's several other shows that I watch that I have to come back to. But I do want to finish it. It's just that I watch YouTube videos, but that's mostly when I'm like going to bed. So I don't actually sit down and take the time to actually watch TV much anymore. Mm. But uh, do you have anything else to say about The Voice?
1: Other than you just should finish the first season because it's really good. Yeah. And I like the guy that plays like their version of Superman in it. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like a budget version of Chris Pine (laughs) (laughs) and kind of plays him that way, too. Yeah. Oh, it's it's just such a crazy show. I recommend it to anybody that isn't easily offended, but also likes superheroes. It's Uh, entertaining.
0: I'll definitely get back to it. It's not something that I'm just like, no, I'll never watch this again. But what I've been doing is I've been playing The Sims, which, shocker, but a new Sim Pack came out and it ties to a movie that we have done. A Star Wars pack came out, and it's called Journey to Batuu.
1: Oh, I I did see something about that.
0: And you can make your own character, and it's got a new aspiration, and, like, the aspiration is, like, goals you try and reach in your Sim's life to master that, and there's some new skills, I think. I haven't played too much into it, because I've seen some of the Star Wars movies since we did them for the podcast, but, like... I'm not a Star Wars fan. I think the movies were good that we watched, but it's not something that, like, I don't get obsessed with things. Yeah. But you can play as a, you can work for the New Order. So, it's got Kylo Ren and that raid chick in it. Yeah. And so, you can do the New Order, or you can fight for the Resistance, or you can be a scoundrel. (laughs) And you can um, level up. If you level up in, like, Resistance, you become more of an enemy, it's kind of neat. Nice. I've been watching a lot of gameplay on it, but I watching the gameplay has made me want to play it some more, but I'm still a little like iffy on it. Mm. I don't know. Not a huge Star Wars fan because it's very limited of what you can do, but it's- I don't know. It's something I need to play more into.
1: Well, see, I like how earlier this week you sent me a picture from The Sims and you're like, I think I accidentally created Doctor Strange.
0: <laughs> I'm Bob Ross. I made a happy accident. I was creating a new family and oh, shocker, I was playing a vampire family. But, like, in The Sims 4, you can change their looks by, like, you know, clicking on different features and you can, like, move them in and out, make them more gaunt, make them more full. Unlike, you know, the past Sims where it was just, like, you clicked on a face. And so, like, I wasn't thinking I was mindlessly, like, shaping his face to have a little bit more bone structure. Because, I mean, he's a vampire, so yeah. he's going to be a little bit more, like, thin in the face, but, like, have strong features. And I threw a goatee beard thing on him. And before I knew it, like, in the hairstyle, it was kind of, like, pushed back, like, his uh, in the movie. And I sat there and looked at it, and the outfit that he was wearing didn't help either. But I just looked at him, I'm like, did I just make Doctor Who? <laughs> no, Doctor Who, Um, Doctor Strange. And so I sent it to you, but I also sent it to my other friends, and i like, how the fuck did you do that? <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, they also thought it was him.
1: It looked like him. I'm good. Okay. You want to get into National Treasure? I do. I really like the opening of this movie, the whole like journey through history and tracking this treasure as young Ben Gates is learning the story from his grandfather. Mm-hmm. And he's just mesmerized by it.
0: I do honestly really like this movie.
1: I had forgotten how much I like this movie. It's yes. a, It's a good family movie. It's not really dumbed down for kids, but no. it's also, like, you can let a kid watch it and it's not over their head.
0: Because, I mean, it came out in 2004, so I was nine years old when it came out, and I went and saw it in theaters. So, if that makes you feel old, Dan, you're welcome. A little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, I was nine when it came out, and, I mean, I thought this movie, I mean, this movie was... So a little bit ahead of its time because, I mean, for 2004, the graphics were good.
1: The only thing that really dates this movie is the phones. Yes. And the hair. Yes. Specifically, Nicolas Cage's hair and Sean Bean's hair. It's very 2000s.
0: I have a whole rant about Nick Cage. <laughs> okay. And we can get to that or we can do it now.
1: No time like the present.
0: I can't fucking stand Nicolas Cage. And I can't stand his stupid face. <laughs> And, I mean, he. I think he was a good pick for this movie, and I think he'll continue being a good pick for this movie because I feel like that fits his shitty persona. But, like, I seriously can't stand his weird fucking face because it doesn't move.
1: <laughs> and sometimes it moves too much.
0: <laughs> there is no in-between because he has this, his mouth is shaped kind of weird, and so, like, it kind of, like, hangs a gate a little bit. But like when he talks, it doesn't fucking move. (laughs) Like He has like a tiny little mouth and and then he talks through his tiny little mouth hole.
1: So I enjoyed watching this one enough that I was watching National Treasure 2 yesterday. Mm -hmm. And that movie almost felt like a parody of the first one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It has been since the National Treasure, because I also saw National Treasure 2 come out in theaters, but it's been 10 years since I've seen it.
1: I was watching it and even when I started watching, I'm like, I feel like there was a reason I didn't like this movie as much as the first, but I'll go back and watch it. And so much of it is just, we're taking the first movie and how Nicolas Cage knows everything about everything, Mm -hmm. and we're just going to dial it up a notch in the most ridiculous ways, and the first one revolved around him stealing the Declaration of Independence to save it. So in this second one, we got to take that up. He's going to kidnap the president.
0: Oh, yeah. See, it's been so long since I've seen it that I have forgotten what actually happens in the second one.
1: That was a selling point for that movie because I watched the trailer first and he says in the trailer, I have to kidnap the president. No, no, you don't.
0: No. But like, okay, so Ben Gates, first off, Benjamin Franklin Gates, I shook my head so goddamn hard. (laughs) When they said his full name, I'm like, oh, God. But like, I feel like the way Nick Cage is in person is also Ben Gates. Like, I know that he plays him, but they're the same. Like He was basically playing himself in a fucking movie with a different name.
1: I can see that.
0: (laughs) Nick Cage just plays Nick Cage in Nick Cage movies.
1: He's an odd man in this movie.
0: (laughs) But like, okay, he comes off so just. He presents himself too highly of himself and like, I know he's an incredibly smart person, and like his character is an incredibly smart, well educated person. But like, knock it down a little bit. (laughs) We know you're smart, but like, don't be an ass about it. Like, don't make yourself seem like such a dick.
1: The way he just talks through things while everybody else is standing around.
0: I noted that because when they're on the Charlotte and he's sitting there talking through, I'm like, how the fuck did you get from this to this? And I put a note in here. It says, Nick Cage logic is weird. Meme of Charlie Day, where he's like standing over. Oh, the- yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's standing at the board with all the lines. Or the one with, is it um that Roberts chick and it's like geometry symbols flying around her yeah, head? Yeah, I know
1: what you're talking about. Julia
0: Roberts, is that who it is? or
1: It looks like Julia Roberts. It's not. It's from like some Brazilian soap opera or something.
0: Okay, but you know it has like the mass symbols flying around and Mm -hmm. that's immediately what I thought of him just sitting there talking about the pipe and talking about all of this out.
1: Well, that's specifically what I was thinking of when I said the second one's kind of like a parody of the first (laughs) one. There's a scene where he's trying to decipher a clue in France and there's just some French policeman standing by him and he's talking through it and asking rhetorical questions and they're like trying to answer, but they have no clue what he's talking about. But yeah, I like that part on the Charlotte when they're all like trying to piece together the clues Yeah, and the one guy is like, maybe it means prison. And then Riley's like, Albuquerque. See, I can throw out random words too.
0: So I actually went to IMDB and like, just because I want to know if any of these items were actually like, is the pipe real? See, that's, I wanted to know because I thought I saw somewhere that in real life, the Declaration of Independence, there is a copy of it actually on display instead of the real one.
1: I think I've heard that too. I mean, there's a few original copies out there. but Yeah,
0: but like, I'm pretty sure they have a copy on display instead of the actual one because it's just so fragile at this point. Well, and also light. Light yeah. is going to ruin it, but... I want to know how he got to the point of slicing open his thumb. Oh, wait. Back to um Riley. When I went to IMDb, I went to the trivia, and it was like, that's actually from a Weird Al song where he says Albuquerque, and uh, what is the second one that he said? Snorkel. Snorkel.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's from one of Weird Al's songs or whatever, which probably would have been popular at that time.
1: Yeah, maybe. There's a lot of really big leaps in logic that he makes in this movie.
0: Yeah. Like you said,
1: the like cutting his thumb open to use it as ink. Because it doesn't
0: show him like inspecting the smoking part of the pipe. Mm -hmm. Because for the most part, he had the ship in his hand, didn't he? Like the ship part, like the pipe hold, like the tobacco hold. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you just see him just slice open his thumb and roll it down, which honestly is really cool that they made that piece. And put so much detail into that pipe that it rolled a message out. That is kind of cool. That's cool. The detail in this movie is actually really good.
1: Let's talk about the treasure. Okay. Now, I understand the historical significance of the treasure because it's basically the accumulated wealth of all human history from ancient Egypt through the Middle Ages and whatnot. How about the concept of let's hide this treasure? The whole premise is the Founding Fathers decided to hide this treasure, and but they left all these clues. How did that conversation go down? Like They're signing the Declaration of Independence, and some guy comes up and he's like, okay, guys, we got all this treasure. We could use it to build our new nation. Or, hear me out, scavenger hunt. <laughs> we'll just take out some loans to build our nation. Hamilton, get on that.
0: See, I mean, to me, I feel like... If some of those things, because, like, they're talking about, like, scrolls from the Library of Alexandria, which, to my knowledge, there's nothing left. Yeah. And if something fell into the wrong hands of the wrong person, like, they were trying to fight Ian on. Yeah. Because it would have just been ruined for people rather than going back to the specific nations that it belongs to, to go into museums. I I really don't know, because there's so much of it. And there was just layers upon layers of treasure i'm like how the fuck do they move all of this
1: and the clues are so convoluted and even once they get to the final location of the treasure there's multiple fake endings (laughs) like they get to one room and it's empty and there's no path like oh there's a secret passageway out of here they decipher that clue get into the secret passage they're in the next room that's a decoy treasure room with nothing in it yeah and so then they have to decipher another clue to get into the real treasure room. Like, I feel like once you've deciphered the clues to get that far, you probably deserve to get that treasure. Like, yeah. What's the point of multiple fake rooms of, oh, they came this far, they were smart enough to decipher all of these codes. But if they can't figure out this one last one, fuck them.
0: Okay, so speaking of the treasure, let's talk about the Freemasons real quick. And do you think. I mean, the government hides shit from us all the time. They're hiding shit from us. Yeah. Do you think that there might be some kind of treasure out there and that the Freemasons have hidden something? Because, I mean, the Freemasons is a real fraternity.
1: Yeah. I'm not someone that buys into, like, Freemason conspiracies because I've known some Masons and they're not...
0: I mean, I'm sure the conspiracies get more clear when like they are like higher level, higher level, like wealthier men.
1: I think that just comes down to being higher level, wealthier men rather than so, being masons.
0: <laughs> it just popped into my head. Does your dad think he's a Freemason?
1: <laughs> I want to say my dad's a Mason. Is he? I think. Like, and I don't, that honestly it,
0: wouldn't fucking surprise me.
1: If I remember right, I think he was in the Masonic Lodge, but like it doesn't. It, it's doesn't, just like a social club, so like, yeah. he doesn't really. I don't think he's been in years. See, if he is. like
0: Masonic lodges in our area, because we live in such a small area, don't really mean a whole lot. But like powerful men who are Freemasons. There's some weird shit. There's some sneaky shit going on.
1: Yeah. Again, though, I don't think it's because they're masons. I think it's just they're powerful men. But
0: it goes hand in hand. I
1: definitely do think there's hidden stuff out there. Like the Vatican archives.
0: (sighs) That'd be so cool. There's
1: so much there that like, who knows what they've collected.
0: I'm not a religious person, but if there's secrets about, like, I could find myself studying probably about other religions just to, like, get a better understanding about it. Vatican hide shit. They are up to no good. <laughs>
1: just talking about this makes me want to go watch Angels and Demons.
0: Never seen it. It's not Because that's bad. also part of the Da Vinci Code, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I didn't like the Da Vinci Code, but Angels and Demons is good, and it's got Ewan McGregor in it. It's got Tom Hanks with the same haircut that Nicolas Cage has in this movie.
0: 2004, Dan. So, do you have to watch them or read the books in a certain order?
1: I didn't read the books. I don't think there's really anything you they're, need. They're
0: not, like, they don't go hand in hand. They yeah. Just...
1: I think all you need to know about the Da Vinci Code to watch Angels and Demons is that his character solves puzzles and codes. Because, I mean, the Da, Vinci,
0: Co- I mean, the da Vinci Code was, is an acclaimed movie. Yeah. And it's something that I, when it came out, I was too young probably to under, like, really follow along with it. So as an adult, I do want to watch it.
1: You should definitely watch Angels and Demons. And basically, Tom Hanks is a professor that's basically the same guy as Nicolas Cage in this movie. Like, they just know everything about everything. It's that character.
0: Great. (laughs) What do you think of the hidden map on the back of the declaration? What do you think about, in general, using, not like lemon juice like they did in the movie, but like different frequencies of lighting to find a hidden map on something.
1: I think that's a cool idea. I like the glasses that Ben that. Franklin created in this movie. And
0: they looked like, I mean, didn't he have like a legit pair that almost kind of looked like that in real life? It like,
1: wouldn't surprise me. I mean-
0: Because he was he was a brilliant man.
1: Yeah, he was an inventor, Thomas Jefferson. I'm surprised Jefferson wasn't invoked in this really at all because he was known to tinker with stuff and invent. Yeah. And yeah I think it's a cool idea. Those glasses though, there's a moment in this movie that I was like, what the fuck? So- Nicholas Cage gets captured by the FBI, but the bad guys realize that they need him to get to the treasure, so they help him escape. Their escape plan is, hey, bring those fragile antique glasses of Ben Franklin's, because we need them.
0: And jump off the side of the-
1: <laughs> Jump off the side of an aircraft carrier into the Hudson River <laughs> with them.
0: Also, the whole fact, like, okay, so, and when they're in the tunnel and they're fucking falling off shit, like, those glasses would have been shattered. Yeah. Unless they were inside of the declaration case.
1: Well, they're lucky those glasses didn't end up on the bottom of that river. Mm-hmm. The last 40 minutes of this movie could have just been dive teams looking for a set of antique glasses in the bottom of the Hudson River.
0: Yeah. And the Hudson River is disgusting. That was my favorite part. Of like, do you see him, Sir, it's the Hudson River. You can't <laughs> see anything.
1: I like the deal that the FBI agent makes with Nicolas Cage. He's like, okay, you have two options. One, you go to prison for a very long time. Two, you help us get back the declaration and you still go to prison for a very long time, but you feel better inside.
0: (laughs) I did like the police chief.
1: Oh, that was great.
0: One of the scenes that I couldn't stand was they were with the bad guys, I think. It was when Nick Cage grabbed the girl and, you know, gave the cheesy fucking kiss scene. I wanted to throw up.
1: I have a note about that.
0: (laughs) I literally wrote barf cheesy kiss scene.
1: Well, here's my note about that moment. Nicolas Cage is the only person carrying a torch. He's leading the way in an otherwise dark underground tunnel with large caverns and holes for people to fall down. He steps back and lets everybody walk by him so he can stop to kiss his girlfriend.
0: No, one of the other guys had a torch.
1: Not at that point.
0: I thought Shaw did.
1: (laughs) Not yet. Later, once they get down the tunnel, they find a second one. But I went back and watched this. He's definitely the only one with a torch, so he stays back to kiss his girlfriend. He leaves his dad and his sidekick to just continue wandering in the dark, and when he catches up to them, they're right at a giant hole in the ground.
0: Good thing they stopped. Yeah,
1: it is a good thing they stopped and didn't just walk right into the giant pit.
0: Speaking of his dad, Ben Gates is probably 30s in this movie?
1: I'd say probably 40. 40? Yeah.
0: Okay, so his dad's probably like eighty.
1: Something like that. 70 or 80.
0: 70 or 80. So once they figure out the last treasure room after they're left down there, which, side note, Ben knew that was there. (laughs) Yeah. And he went to it so fucking quickly and it took them, they didn't have to figure out any clues. He literally stuck the Charlotte pipe in there and knew immediately what he was doing. But it popped open a door Mm -hmm. out of four people. One of them being Ben to open the door, so there's three people, two of them who are 40 to 50 years younger than Patrick Gates, and Patrick Gates opened up the giant stone fucking door. (laughs) Abigail could have opened that door. I'm sure she could have opened it easier than Riley. Yeah. But Patrick Gates opened it.
1: Uh, he's so cantankerous too. I love the part where they're at his house and they're like looking at the code on the back of the declaration and he's just hovering in the background like giving them tips because he doesn't know what they're working on. Yeah. And then finally they're like, wow, I can't believe this has been on the back of this the whole time. And he's like, on the back of what? And he lifts up the quarter. He's like, holy shit, you stole
0: the declaration And they're freaking out because he grabbed it pretty roughly and they're <laughs> yeah. like, ah, I thought he was going to die right then and there. Like, He looked like he had a heart attack face
1: (laughs) and they're trying so hard earlier in the movie to like treat it gently and use gloves and everything then later in the church Nicolas cage and ian are just like manhandling it Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i mean that certain situation they couldn't just like hold on let me whip out my nice white gloves
1: yeah they probably could have like laid it on the ground or something rather than just holding it up in the air
0: yeah probably
1: Yeah, when they're in that giant pit and like the stairway down is falling apart, Mm -hmm. everything kind of settles. They're relatively safe. Someone's on an elevator. Someone's on the remnants of a broken step. And then they regroup. Ian's like, we're going forward. Why? I mean, I get he wants the treasure. There's no reason with the resources we've seen him have earlier in the movie, he can't just send somebody for some climbing gear and rope and safely just repel- down to the bottom of the cavern. Like They don't need to stay on this rickety old wooden elevator.
0: Well, I mean, if they continued forward and they found the stuff right then and there, they could just shove them off the side right then and there.
1: Yeah. Ian in this movie is kind of uneven. Like It's hard to peg down what he's about because at the end of the movie, it's portrayed like he'll just kill them as soon as he has the treasure. He doesn't need them. And yet earlier in the movie... He specifically tells his guys to leave Riley and Abigail alone once they have the declaration because he doesn't need them anymore and there's no, they're no threat.
0: But I mean, he uses them as a threat to Bin, like, hey, I've got your friend and your potential girlfriend, lover, here. Like, help me or we kill them and you lose everything. Yeah, Because later. Lo- but, yeah.
1: Like, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, earlier in the movie, he seems like... He's not a great guy, but at least he has like a little bit of a code. He's not just going to randomly kill people he doesn't need to. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, he's like, okay, I don't need you. I'm just going to leave you here to die. Like, well, I mean, oh, if, they, if they
0: know what's... like, I mean, they've seen too much. Yes. The movie was really good. I'm glad we watched <laughs> it.
1: Since we've been talking about national treasure and the whole idea of, well, hidden treasures and alternate histories, unknown histories, we thought we would go into some, not quite paranormal, but just fringe theories we found around the internet. So why don't you go first?
0: Okay. So my first one is that the Denver Airport is a hub of evil.
1: I've heard something about this. I don't remember any of the details.
0: So a little background. So the Denver International Airport was opened in 1995 and has been a source for conspiracies even before the construction was completed. When the idea of the DIA came up, people were not sure what the point was because Denver already had an airport and it functioned well and it was close to downtown. Their airport initially was over $2 million over budget and is twice the size of the city of Manhattan.
1: The airport itself is twice the size of Manhattan.
0: Supposedly to this website that I got this information off of. Jesus is that Christ. It's- And, I mean, Manhattan is quite large. Yeah. I mean, the aerial shot of it is just fucking huge. Okay. So, people believe there is a space underneath the airport that was being used for the Illuminati. Because why would it be $2 million over budget if there wasn't something underneath it? So, part of this theory is that when the construction was going on, the first five buildings were built, but they weren't built correctly- And so instead of scrapping that idea, they just built over them Okay. and making them almost like underground layers. Like the buildings are still there underneath the airport. They just went over top of them instead of just knocking them down. The other is that it was created like the underground that they think that they say is there. And yes, there are underground tunnels. There is. But we'll get to that. So it was created for the Nazi group New World Order. Which kind of ties into the Freemasons mm-hmm. a little bit, and oh, I right, put that in there. So, like I said, Freemasons are legit. Well, Nazis were real too, but um, <laughs> so they. Supposedly, sh- I'm not going there because there's too many fucking idiots out there. <laughs> Go on. So the theory is that this was created for the New World Order, and that they created fallout shelters underneath, but. What they say is fallout shelters was actually an automatic baggage system that they built. Like, it was completely done, but there are some problems with it, so it was never used. So, that's where these underground-like tunnels are coming from. And that never worked. So, apparently, it's being used for the Illuminati, the Freemasons, and Nazis.
1: Probably lizard people, too.
0: Well, the art. So, like, the art's kind of like, they've got some, like, crazy art in there and whatnot. And one of them is a... I think they say like a Nazi overlord or like there's a guy that's wearing a gas mask. It's very bright and colorful, but it was talking about like being like the children in it are like a symbol of hope to overthrow the dictator. Okay. I don't know. Some of the art is really crazy on there and they've, they've got alien statue, like alien drawings and they've got gargoyle statues and they say like, you know, the gargoyle statues are historically used to ward off spirits and like bad juju and people are like, there's just so many evil symbols in here.
1: It seems weird if you're an evil group and you wanted to have some giant secret monument or whatever. Why would you then go about putting a lot of secret symbols out in the open for people to take notice of?
0: Because people are idiots, and they—if they think it, you know—they were like, "No, it's just artwork. We're not evil at all."
1: Kind of like Hydra in the Marvel universe. They brand everything. Like they gotta have their logo mm-hmm. on everything.
0: Yes. So, the next thing is that after the airport was completed, when you go into the airport, there's a 30-foot tall statue of a blue horse with glowing red eyes. And he's a fiberglass like cast, um, huge. So, they call him Blue or people nicknamed him Sifer, <laughs> which I fucking love. And he's really cool and very nicely done. So, in the construction of Lucifer, the artist, his name was Luis Jimenez, actually died right before it was completed. So, he was contracted to make this statue, and right before it was completed, the statue fell on top of him, pinning him against something. They said like a metal rod or something, and it sliced an artery, and he basically bled to death.
1: So, the statue killed him, and they've still installed it someplace?
0: Yes. So... His wishes were that like his family completed it and the statue was erected. So people think like, oh, that statue is evil because it fell on the guy that created it. Like Accidents happen. What? It was like a 900 pound statue. Accidents happen. So could it be coincidental? Could it be evil spirits? But people were talking about like the glowing red eyes. <laughs> Somebody said that they wanted, was like a video I watched that they wanted to put lasers in it, but (laughs) which doesn't make sense because why would you put lasers in it if you're at an airport that's just going to fuck with things? So, they just put like red light bulbs in there. One of the theories is that the horse is a symbol for the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's a horse. It's a blue horse. (laughs) Think what you want. But, like, people try to associate, like, artwork to, like, Nazis and Freemasons, and there is actually a Freemason, like, stonework that's got stuff inscribed on it. I think it's just that they have a lot of cool objects in there. My favorite theory. So, (laughs) one of the posts that I went to that says, truth that the Denver airport is evil. So, if you look at the aerial shot, they say that the... Airport itself is built almost in the shape of a swastika. <laughs> okay. And like-
1: Have you looked at it? Does I it, have. Is it kind of-
0: Not really. Mm-hmm. See, I mean, it's got runways, so it's got jutted points. And then you have the hub in the center, so it really like skews it a little bit. Okay. Which also this- lunatic that was making a video says that it looks like an erect penis. So like two balls and a penis and and, yeah.
1: Yeah, everything looks like an erect penis to somebody.
0: (laughs) And that's what this guy in this video is talking about is that all the phallic symbols in the Denver airport and how it's trying to sway people like with phallic symbols. And I was just like, no. So one of them was that one of the runways that had like two balls and then like there's two loops And then the runway comes out like this. If you have a dirty mind and somebody drew it out, I bet you could probably make it look into a, like, you know, in the science tech books where it's like the balls and then like the penis kind of goes whoop. Yeah. That's what he's making it seem like it is. Maybe he needs to talk to Freud because he's thinking everything is sexual. Yeah. But like people are talking about there's like vagina symbolism and R and it's just like, no, you're just a fucking lunatic. Sorry.
1: Yeah, I'm betting what the real case is, is they probably built this new airport and commissioned a bunch of diverse, kind of, I don't know, new age pop art. Yeah. They're just trying to be hip and ended up with a bunch of weird shit.
0: Yeah. But all in all, the airport staff, like the people that like manage it, like the CEOs and stuff, like the really higher ups, they think it's hilarious. They bring on the theories. Like they're like, keep coming, keep coming, because they've turned the theories, like the alien stuff and all that. They started making people commission R for it and like they love it. I think it's hilarious and like, okay, if you're gonna say it, then we're gonna put it in here. All
1: publicity is good publicity.
0: Exactly. So I mean they find it super entertaining and hey, I mean more power to you. Yeah. I mean, don't make it give you a bad name. Use it to your advantage. So the Denver Airport is apparently evil.
1: Okay. My first one is very much in keeping with the national treasure aspect of this episode. This one's called the Burroughs Cave. I'm just going to tell you the story. So it's 1982. A man named Russell Burroughs is hiking in this vague location, somewhere roughly around Olney, Illinois. He's got metal detector in hand, hoping to find Civil War belt buckles or some pioneer artifacts. And he's just walking and walking and walking. And he's not finding anything until suddenly the ground just gives way beneath him. And he falls down into this cavern, And I like to imagine that, like, he falls, like hits his ass hard on the ground, and he's like picking himself up and grumbling, he's just like, "Fuck me!" And then he stands up, his eyes adjust to what's in front of him, and he's just like, "Fuck me!" Because what he has found could be one of the greatest archaeological finds ever unearthed, allegedly, because <laughs> it's not just a cave, it's a tomb. He describes it as having 13 crypts, and it's filled with priceless artifacts, including stone carvings, coins, and gold with all kinds of inscriptions. But here's the kicker. The inscriptions that Burroughs finds are in the languages of cultures history says never visited the Americas. They don't belong there at all. <laughs> So over the years, he brings a few items out of the cave, shows them off to people, lets a few pictures get taken, sells them here and there to make a little extra money. But he refuses to tell anybody where this cave is. It's not entirely clear who owns this land. Since he won't tell anybody where it is, he might not even have rights to what is in the ground on this land. Like It could be somebody else's land and he's just stealing shit. But he lets people look at it. Scholars look at the languages on the coins. Some of them say they're real. Others say, okay, technically this is an actual ancient language. But when you translate it, it's just gibberish because somebody just found a book of this old language and started carving on shit. That's the allegation is that he just was trying to make a quick buck, pulled a hoax, started making these carvings. But somehow he was getting Hold money. On. What year was this? 1982. Okay. So he doesn't have access to the internet. If he is doing this research to find these dead languages, he's going to the library. So it's not as easy, but theoretically he could do it. But since he won't tell anybody where the cave is, archaeologists can't look into it, and all this supposed treasure, there's no way he can possibly get it out on his own. But that doesn't stop him from making a lot of money off of it. It's claimed... And I couldn't find anything to back this up. It's just, quote unquote, claimed that he somehow deposited up to $15 million in Swiss bank accounts. So if that part is true, somewhere he came up with $15 million. And anyway, back to the cave itself. Burroughs described it as having several chambers containing the remains of men, women, and children With a golden sarcophagus at the center of it all, the sarcophagus itself contained a male skeleton entombed with his arms crossing his chest, clutching an ankh, and wearing a death mask as you might find in an Egyptian tomb. And over the years, various researchers and theorists kept fighting with each other over whether it was real or not. They kept pestering him. Where is it? Just tell us. We can figure this out. He got so sick of it that in 1989, he just told everybody, Fuck it, I dynamited the entrance to the cave, nobody's going there. Which is a convenient excuse for a cave not actually existing. Now, keeping in mind, nobody has ever actually seen this sarcophagus. That hasn't stopped people from coming to a conclusion on who the sarcophagus belonged to.
0: Okay, how does that make any sense?
1: Because... So the leading theory is that it belonged to this North African king known as King Juba II of Mauritania, and like all the other crypts were his entire royal family. It's believed that Juba fled his kingdom after running afoul of the Roman Empire. And it's known, historically, he commissioned a great golden sarcophagus during his reign. And the sarcophagus was one of the many treasures the Romans had hoped to seize when they conquered his land, but they never found it or him. And to this day, the final resting place of Juba and his golden sarcophagus are just a mystery. Coincidentally, his kingdom, Mauritania, is becoming increasingly popular as a possible site for the lost city of Atlantis, for reasons too complicated to go into right now. But there is some archaeological stuff going on in Mauritania. So did Juba use ancient knowledge from Atlantis to navigate across the Atlantic and survive in the Americas?
0: That's impressive.
1: I wish we could go into the whole Atlantis thing because it actually somewhat convincing, but it's so many leaps in logic of nobody has ever even seen the inside of this cave.
0: Is the location known yet to anybody else besides
1: no, and I doubt this cave even exists. I just think it's a cool story of any of these kind of alternate histories where ancient peoples, especially like Egyptians or anything, visited the Americas way back when, and it's just part of this lost history. I think it's a cool story, but I think it's just this Burroughs guy was full of shit and made some fake carvings and tried to make a quick buck off of it, especially since it's just alleged that he deposited all those millions into a Swiss bank account. Like I said, I haven't found anything that actually confirms it. Yeah, but yeah, it was just a fun little theory. That's interesting. Very national treasureish.
0: Very. So my second one is HARP was being used to control the weather. So HARP is an acronym for High Frequency Active Rural Research Program, and it was funded by the United States Air Force, Navy, and the University of Alaska Fairbanks. And it was initially used for ionospheric research. So have you heard this?
1: I'm vaguely familiar with it.
0: So it was designed by BAE Advanced Technologies, and the purpose was to analyze ionospheric pressure and all that, and investigate the potential developing ionospheric enhancement technology for radio communications and surveillance. The program was officially shut down in May of 2014, so lasted about 20 years yeah so the prominent instrument that harp used was the ionospheric research instrument a high-powered radio frequency transmitter and it was used to temporarily excite a limited area of the ionosphere yeah just to see what mm-hmm. happens they have several other instruments that they use with big names that i don't feel like reading but i mean all of it was to test radio frequencies mm-hmm. so Theory is that HARP and the military were trying to control the weather and make like detrimental natural disasters. In 1996, a lady named Rosalie Bertel warned people of the deployment of HARP and they were using it as a military grade weapon. Another person, his name is Michael Chasadovsky, published a book that. There was significant scientific evidence that suggests Harp is fully operational and has the capability of triggering floods, hurricanes, droughts, and hur- earthquakes. And that over time, Harp has been blamed for generating such catastrophes as well as thunderstorms in Iran, Pakistan, Haiti, Turkey, and Greece, and the Philippines, and has m- and even major power outages and the downing of the TWA Flight 80. Gulf War Syndrome and Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. That, to me, is a little... Out, like, the last part there is a little out there. and
1: That's a lot of things for it to have caused.
0: So, a Stanford professor told Popular Science Magazine that it's a bunch of bullshit. There is no uniform explanation to these theories and that... So, the power of harp radiates large but it's minuscule compared to the power of an actual, like, lightning flash, which there are 50 to 100 lightning flashes every second. So, HARP's intensity is very small compared to that. So, I have an example. An example that people, like, link to HARP is that in 2011, Joplin, Missouri was decimated by a EF5 tornado. So, this particular tornado started in one corner of Missouri and actually grew in size as it crossed into Joplin, and Joplin was the epicenter of its most powerful. So, EF stands for Enhanced Fujita Scale, and it became operational in 2007, and it is a rating based on the estimate wind speeds related to damage, tornado related. Mm -hmm. So, it's categories 0 through 5, so a 0 equals 65 to 85 miles per hour in the EF scale. So, a five is over 200. Okay. So, the wind speeds in Joplin at that moment were over 200 miles per hour, which is terrifying. The tornado struck, reaching over 200 miles per hour, and it is actually the seventh largest tornado to actually happen. It killed over 158 people with an additional eight deaths that were indirect due to injuries and injured over 1,100 people. I remember it happening. I was in high school when it happened. So the theory is is that harp, like power from the harp instruments, were used to decimate.
1: Why would it be used against the.
0: Because, I mean, tornadoes, to me, they form and they travel a certain way Mm -hmm. and then they disappear. But it started in one corner of Missouri as an EF1, and within the timeframe of minutes. It turned to an EF5. Instead of, you know, picking up, dispersing, coming back down, it just went straight across.
1: Did you see a theory like why the American government would want to create this weaponized tornado to use against the American people?
0: No, I didn't see anything from that. But why not? Why not use it against, make people rely on the government? I don't know. Maybe I'm sounding like a tinfoil hat person, but...
1: I could see it if, like... I I understand the theories of, like, oh, the government faking terrorism or whatever. I I don't know if in a department that's out there trying to get a bigger budget for the force fields to deter tornadoes or something.
0: I don't know. I mean, you see it all the time in cartoons where they're in, like, you know, the sanction and the weather can be controlled. Yeah. So, I mean, why not? kind of cool. I mean...
1: Can they use the same technology to make bad weather go away? Like, I'm
0: sure they could.
1: Can they turn off the fire tornadoes in California?
0: I'm sure they could, but-
1: Or did they create the fire tornadoes in California?
0: Maybe it's like our President Tito teaching them a lesson. Well, if you're going to not clean up the floors of your forest and that's going to catch on fire, then we're not going to help you. You didn't listen to me, so we're not going to help you. Okay. it's so fucked up. California, Washington, Oregon, and California. This is serious, guys. They're on fire, literally on fire, and it's so sad to see.
1: I don't know. I mean, and that
0: there's no like. It's so hard to get like.
1: It's just every year though. I don't understand global why people. Warming. I don't know why people keep rebuilding. Like they
0: should. The entire state of California shouldn't be on fire though. Yeah. Wildfires happen. Yes. But the size that they have been the last several years is a little ridiculous. And, you know, the one that broke out because somebody decided to make an explosion for their gender reveal. Okay. (laughs) Gender reveals are one thing. Like, pop a fucking balloon.
1: I saw a meme earlier today. It was Anakin Skywalker before and after the gender reveal of his kids. And the first one is just normal human Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. The other one is just him burned to a crisp. Oh. It's funny because it's tragic.
0: So, I mean, why not use it to control people? I guess. Because another theory, and I never really dove into it, is that after a shutdown, there was two men that loaded up with an arsenal and were going to try and break into it because they swear up and down that it was also being used to control people's minds because of radio frequencies. Of course. And they told the police why they did it and they said, God told us to do it. Of so, they course. were fucking crazy anyways. So, yeah, harp controls the weather. Okay. (laughs) I mean, global warming also explains the weather, but- True. But you know, global warming is also fake, but that's another story for another time.
1: (laughs) Okay. Time for my last one. And before I get started, guys, don't take any of this too seriously and get offended.
0: These are all theories, guys.
1: (laughs) This is just a shit fringe theory, but it's about to get sacrilegious up in here. (laughs) This one comes from the book- The Sacred Science of Ancient Japan, which we'll link on our website, it contains a largely unknown part of Japanese and world history, as recorded in some ancient manuscripts known as the Takanouchi documents. So, a little background on the history of the world. Billions of years ago, Japan was the center of an ancient advanced civilization, ruled over by the son of the sun god and he had a flying ship like a ufo he just go around the world check out all his people then go back to japan and live in like his palace or whatever all the races were unified and guided by his enlightening influence but the empire became too large and difficult for him to rule by himself so he sent out his children to govern different sections of the world and found new nations and as humanity kept growing larger and larger They decided it was just too difficult to guide people to enlightenment. And the sun god decided okay, we're just going to segment off portions of the people from the empire and we're going to give them the freedom to grow and pursue enlightenment on their own. The first region that was broken off was the Middle East. And like all other nations over time, they forgot their Japanese origins and they just slowly forgot all the advanced technologies and abilities they possessed until one man arrived on the scene. Enter. Jesus H Christ. The H stands for Hamatosan. <laughs> I'm kidding. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> no, according to the records, his real name was Jesukri Christmas. It's a lot more reasonable.
0: It's not as funny.
1: I like Hamatosan Jesus Hamatosan Christ. Even though his real name was Jesukri, we'll just call him Jesus. From wait, here wait, on wait, out. hold
0: on. What was his actual name?
1: Jesukri Christmas. For real. Uh, well, according, according to the theory, yeah, according to these supposedly ancient documents.
0: Okay, because I thought you were literally just make because you had the one there, I thought you were bluffing again.
1: No. and as someone with a history degree, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, all this is 100 percent historically accurate. So here's the thing about Jesus. The Bible doesn't really give us a whole lot of info about his early adulthood. Fortunately, the Takanouchi documents have it covered. So let me set the scene. Jesus, he's a young man. Fresh out of high school, feeling kind of lost, his pops ain't around much, no clue what he wants to do with his life. So he does what you do and sets out to see the world. Throws on his backpack and heads out. He's waving goodbye to all of his pals, making one of those TikTok singing, Tell everybody I'm on my way. New friends and new places to see. No? You're not buying it?
0: No, absolutely not.
1: So then he's off. He wanders around till he finds himself in India. Dabbles in a little philosophy, and he's really vibing with the Buddhists. They're super chill, and he wants to help get their message out there, but he's not really ready to settle down. So, it's back on the open road. Eventually, he makes it to Japan, and he's a little older, getting more mature, decides it's time to figure out what he's going to do with his life. Starts thinking, man, most of my old classmates already have degrees by now. I haven't even started uni.
0: When did this theory come out?
1: Uh, 1928.
0: Okay, because the way you're talking is way too like futuristic. You're just giving it hype.
1: Yeah, I'm taking some creative license, making it relatable. Okay. So he figures there's no time like the present to you know get an education. He's in Japan, so he applies for financial aid and enrolls in ninja school. <gasps> you're just hanging your head.
0: Continue.
1: He full-on Bruce Wayne's this shit. Spends years learning somewhere between 20 and 50 ancient ninja abilities. The documents say he learns how to disappear, he can jump right up to the top of a tall tree, he's Naruto running across water, probably like nailing down his Batman voice, but he realizes this career path is a little sketch, not that much demand for a ninja. The parental units would probably like him to have something to fall back on, so he double majors in medicine.
0: I like that in like 12 BC or whatever it is, however old. That Batman voice was a thing in Naruto Run.
1: So he learns all the natural remedies for diseases. Like, you can cure anything with the right herbs. Like, Colonel Sanders' herbs and spices ain't shit compared to what he's cooking with.
0: I doubt that.
1: <laughs> and finally, Jesus graduates, and his time has come. And like so many other college graduates, he decides to move back home. But it's just a transitional thing. He's got a plan, it's all worked out. He's going to like Chris Angel Mind Freak people. And then once he's got their attention, boom, he's just going to blow their minds with some dope philosophy. So he goes all crouching tiger, runs on treetops all the way home. (laughs) You're going to be laughing. You got to have the mic in front of you.
0: (laughs) I can't hang my head if it's in front of me.
1: (laughs) But he's not the immediate success that he had hoped for. I mean, he's got like 12 followers on Instagram, but he's not gaining any traction, but it's not his fault. He's out there hustling every day, but he can't get anybody to listen. They love his street magic, but like nobody cares about the rest. Every day he's just out there like, dude, come on, like just take a pamphlet. That's all I want. Take a pamphlet. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, how about I turn your Aquafina into Merlot?
0: I seriously fucking wish we had video feed right now. (laughs) Oh
1: God. (laughs) But people are getting tired of his shit. Like, he's just a nuisance on the street. They start complaining. Next thing, the Pharisees have to get involved. So they bring him in for a chat. And they're like, hey, look, you're the hero Israel deserves, but you're not the one it needs right now. It's not you. It's us. Honestly, we love what you're doing. Look at Gary over there. We never thought he'd get out of that wheelchair. I mean, now he's a dancing fool, renegades everywhere he goes. The kids are calling the next Charlie D. But... You're kind of annoying, and it's just not going to work out.
0: My brain fucking hurts already.
1: <laughs> and Jesus is just like, dude, that sucks.
0: Dude. They're
1: like, yeah. Uh, quick question before you go. How do you feel about crucifixion? I don't know. Like, who's being crucified? Awkward silence.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> bummer.
0: <laughs> you bitch.
1: But it's okay, because his Japanese brother, Isukiri... Steps up
0: what so is okay, so hold on, Isukiri, <laughs> is that a real person in this theory
1: uh in this theory, yeah, okay, <laughs> why does he have a Japanese name? I don't know why does Jesus have a Japanese name in this theory. <laughs> he went to Japan as an adult, like it makes no sense, but okay,
0: okay,
1: Isukiri steps up, and he's like, no way anyone's crucifying my brother. We look enough alike, Judas can turn me in, and I'll take your place on the cross,
0: very noble,
1: yeah. And Jesus is like, oh man, you're the best little bro. Tell you what, I got a jet. But when I come back, I'll make it up to you. If you ever need someone to get crucified in your place, I am totally your man. I like to picture Ninja Jesus like slowly backing out the door,
0: crouching tiger (laughs) over the trees.
1: (laughs) And like his brother's just like, oh, I I was just offering to be polite. I didn't think you'd take me up on it. Like, Jesus is a bitch. He's like, you're Jesus, for Christ's sake.
0: <laughs> That's terrible, Dan.
1: Meanwhile, Jesus is still back out the door.
0: What? Sorry. Can't hear you. Gotta go.
1: And then he's just poof. A log falls to the ground in his place. He just disappears. <laughs> and so Jesus leaves his brother to die a long excruciating death, as you do.
0: What an ass. Yeah.
1: And then he takes his magic act back on the road. Full on world tour. Gathers new disciples from everywhere. According to the documents, he has like Germans, Italians, Africans, Australians, Native Americans. Now, this is before Europeans settled Australia, but I like to picture like it was a modern, like wiry Australian, like good eye mite just hanging so out with Jesus. did they
0: also whitewash Jesus?
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but he's got people from all around the world. And he returns with him to Japan, makes his home there, settles down. Supposedly makes sculptures from the ashes of his parents. That's a little morbid.
0: Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't really even want to come out, but
1: eventually he dies at the age of 118.
0: God damn!
1: On December 25th, the year 82. So he dies on Christmas before Christmas existed. And supposedly, his tomb was rediscovered in 1934 in this village in like Parai, Japan. And I guarantee you, it's a 100% real tomb, and definitely not a shitty attempt to bring in tourists. I believe it. Yeah, that's the end of the theory.
0: What the fuck?
1: (laughs) I just like to picture Jesus like in like a white, yeah, like a white ninja. Suit like he's crouching like in like the idle motions from like Mortal Kombat where he's just like bobbing (laughs) back and forth. But also like it's Japan, so what if Japan did what Japan does and they just took this
0: and turned it into an anime?
1: Yeah, they just took this concept like straight up to nine thousand.
0: It's level nine thousand.
1: This is how I'm picturing the TV show to open. So it opens with the devil crawling out of a hole in the moon, and he's like, ah. After 10,000 years, I'm free. Time to conquer Earth. And then you cut to God's floating head in a tube. And he's like, Alpha, Satan's escaped. Recruit a <laughs> team of disciples with attitude. The mighty Morphin Jesus Rangers. But there's like 12 of them. So it's like a really big team. And most of them are just shades of white. <laughs> Except Judas is like the new guy. They're not sure if they can really trust him. He's got green. Like, man, wish I could be a different color. <laughs> All the morphing coins are like, figs and palm leaves and (laughs) one guy just calls on the power of olive oil (laughs) and there's so many of them that like they're all just like really small portions of the jesus megazord like they combine to form a giant jesus there's one guy that's just driving a sandal (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you know it would be ridiculous
0: i know and i would probably watch it too Send it full send.
1: Yeah, that's all I have for the amazing adventures of Ninja Jesus.
0: I can't wrap my brain on it, so like I don't really have anything to say. That is wild. (laughs) I'm glad you saved that for the last one.
1: I had to condense that so much. Oh, god, because like the quick intro, like the background on the history of Japan leading up to that, and how the Middle East was founded by Japanese people. (laughs) I had to cut a whole section about how Moses was taken away by UFOs. <laughs>
0: like, like, he
1: visited Japan on this flying ship that the sun god had. Like, this book's crazy.
0: I can tell.
1: But yeah, that is all for Ninja Jesus.
0: Good job, Dan. That was good. <laughs>
1: oh, you ready to take us into some disturbing urban dictionary?
0: Yes. Okay. So I Google searched. Most disturbing urban dictionaries. The flying camel.
1: I got nothing. I can't venture a guess.
0: As your gal is lying on her back and you are hammering her from your knees, you very carefully move forward and prop yourself, without using your arms, on your dick while it is still inserted into her vagina. You then proceed to flap your arms and let out a long shrieking howl, much like a flying camel. Strictly a class move. <laughs>
1: I'm not propping myself up on my dick.
0: <laughs> that, sounds,
1: that sounds like a recipe for pain.
0: You start doing some dick-ups then.
1: <sighs> <Man. laughs>
0: okay. okay. So this leads into Charizarding.
1: It leads into Charizarding.
0: No, they have nothing to do okay. with each other. But so Charizarding, <laughs> I like this one. When you light your girl's pubes on fire, you put it out with your jizz, then flap your arms saying, you don't have enough badges to train me.
1: <laughs> that there's no way anybody has ever done that. There's times on Urban Dictionary I'm like I can see somebody being this fucked up. I don't understand the logistics of that. Like do you get almost there and then light it and then finish <laughs> or like do you light it and then like try to quickly get there?
0: I think it's the first one, but it doesn't explain it.
1: Yeah. There's no way anybody has ever done that in the history of mankind.
0: But it's entertaining. It is. Okay. So Kentucky Klondike Bar. I don't know. Which kind of goes with the Alabama Hot Pocket I did that one time.
1: Yeah, I don't remember. I I remember doing that, but I don't remember what it was.
0: That's probably for good reason. So, Kentucky Klondike Bar is the act of freezing a bowel movement and sexually penetrating another person with the frozen bowel movement.
1: (laughs) (sighs) What? Okay, this is the exact opposite of the last one. Someone is probably fucked up enough to have done that.
0: Probably.
1: Man, that's... (laughs)
0: And last but not least, munging. Munging. M-U-N-G-I-N-G. I
1: I don't know. (laughs) What is it?
0: I don't think you're ready. One must have no shame. He or she must use a newspaper to find an obit of a recently deceased man or woman. Then must find a buddy with no shame who will aid them in this act. The partners then go to the cemetery where they dig up their victim, flip a coin, the loser, or the winner, depending on how (laughs) sick you are, applies his or her lips to the genitals or anus of the corpse, while the other partner proceeds to climb on the nearest tombstone and elbow drops, or I've seen jumping, onto the corpse's stomach, thus forcing out a blend of rich body fluids and embalming materials into their partner's mouth. This is called mung. The act of getting this blend on your face is called munging.
1: No. No. (laughs) No. Just no.
0: And I think that takes the cake for the worst one we have done. Yeah. You're welcome.
1: (laughs) That's pretty bad. That's, yeah, that's horrible.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, it it paints a picture. It definitely...
0: Cause, you, So, you know, like, those, like, stress toys where, like, you know, you squeeze them in, like, the eyes and ears? I mm-hmm. kind of imagine that. It just goes, pew! It makes, like, the little funny noise, too, when it happens.
1: Oh, no. That's just, <laughs> that's terrible.
0: One of them that I read is that you wait till it rots a little bit and oh. then do it. <laughs> because there was two different definitions for this, and one of them was you waited until it rotted a little bit. See- you
1: were worried earlier about Scotty throwing up. You're not worried about me throwing up.
0: <laughs> Please don't. Because you would be cleaning it up while I threw up as well. Because I can't listen to people vomit. Or
1: I could just walk out.
0: <laughs> you could.
1: Okay. Um. Oh.
0: I mean, I had to go out with a bang, Dan.
1: Yeah. All right. So that is going to wrap up the episode. We're actually going to be stepping away from the mics. We don't know if or when we're coming back. Um, Life just kind of gets in the way. It's not really any like drama behind the scenes. It's just we're busy. (laughs) We got things to do, and this takes a lot of time and effort.
0: I just want to thank you guys so much for being awesome supporters and letting us do this because this has been a really fun experience, and even if this is just a hiatus for right now, thank you
1: yeah i mean we really enjoy doing this getting together record the show it's just a lot of work before recording a lot of work after recording we just need some time off
0: please still go check out our old episodes and i still want to encourage you guys maybe give us some ideas and we can think about it for the future and let us know what you liked about this episode i really hope you enjoyed those urban dictionaries i know i did Because sometimes if Dan makes me uncomfortable, it's really, really fun to make him uncomfortable back. Yeah,
1: for now. Bye, Felicia.
0: Bye, Felicia.